There are a few variations of the appearances of Jesus. This is one of them. I encourage you all to simply interpret them each in your own way. On the same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They did not recognize him. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And after he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight again. They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Wonderful words, aren't they? They're fantastic. Sing, crown him with many crowns. Creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime. They always change that in some of the versions, but I like to keep it as it is. It's great. Easter is a very interesting time for ministers. Not just because it's busy, but we have to decide what we make of the resurrection. And it's one of those things like the virgin birth, like the miracles, like original sin and the Trinity that really seems to define, you know, where we stand. Now, you could include Adam and Eve and the fact that the earth is supposed to be four and a half thousand years old. But I think most of us have moved on from that now. And you know, those ideas are consigned to the same file as the Flat Earth Society. However, you don't have to be a fundamentalist to insist on the virgin birth, you know, or the miracles, or original sin, or the Trinity. And you know, the resurrection is key to Orthodox Christianity. After all, you know, they're in the creeds, all those things, as is the resurrection. I always think it's important as a minister to lay your cards on the table. You know, and, you know, I don't believe in the virgin birth. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, I don't believe in original sin. That doesn't make sense to me either. I think miracles are just events that are not explained by the laws of nature as we understand them today. Miracles are events that are as yet unexplained by the laws of nature as we understand them today. I think the Trinity is a useful concept. However, it doesn't seem to be mentioned in the Bible. But what about the resurrection? Well, suffice to say, I do believe in the resurrection. However, I also put it into the same camp as miracles, events that are not explained by the laws of nature 
as we understand them today. But that being said, I think that the issue is more fundamental than the whole miracles argument. As to some extent, the one of the key claims of Christianity is that Jesus rose from the dead. So I think the whole resurrection is, is of another sort of level than just miracles. You know, turning water into wine, walking on water, stilling the storm, healing people. They're not quite in the same league, I think, as the resurrection. And you can argue about those things, but the one thing you can't argue about is really the uniqueness of the claim of coming back from the dead. Now, no one else has ever claimed that. So far, no one's come back and said, yeah, you know, I, I know someone who has come back from the dead. Possibly Lazarus in the Bible, but you know, I think that you could put that probably into the miracles camp. You know, the Apostles' Creed, which in some churches they say every week, we don't hear, says unequivocally, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And that really sums up, in a sense, the position of the Christian faith and is the key to the claim for the uniqueness of Jesus and the claim that he was actually the Son of God. That's that's where it all comes from. So what are we to make of that? Well, I'm afraid I don't buy it on that level. I don't buy it on that level. I I see the purpose of Jesus' life as being to show us the potential of humanity. The purpose of Jesus' life is to show us the potential of humanity. Not that he was uniquely the Son of God and therefore to be worshipped by us all as God, but that he was the Son of God and showed us that we too could be children of God, that we too could be sons and daughters of God. And that in his own words, and he said this, we will do, that's us, even greater things than these. Jesus said to the disciples, you will do even greater things than I have done. Now, for me, it doesn't follow that Jesus would say that they could do greater things than them and then go on and do something completely impossible for all of us, the resurrection. So I think there's something more to the resurrection. And to me, That greater thing that he's talking about is about the nature of love. You have to take the crucifixion and the resurrection together. One leads to the other. That's why we've got the cross here. And it's a matter, it's the manner of Jesus' death, I think, that leads to the resurrection. You're getting the proper theology of the resurrection here. You know, this this is what I think actually is happening. Not saying that other theology is not proper, but I'm just saying that we're going into that here. Not that he was crucified per se that was important, but that he had so great a love that he was willing to give up everything for those that came after him. And not only that, but in doing so, I think he was showing us the way of suffering. I think that's what the crucifixion is about. That in order to transform consciousness reality and the state that we have at the moment that blames and fights and wars, in order to change that into a state of lovingness, 
we have to forgive and let go. That is the transformation that needs to take place. And he demonstrated that in being tortured and crucified and killed without complaint, he demonstrated how that is done. He didn't blame. You know, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He didn't do what we do and say, well, you've hit me, now I'm going to hit you. He showed a different way. That when we suffer, blaming and anger does nothing to transform things. His way was to take the pain on himself and to internalize it rather than outwardly blaming others, to include others and to love in return. And that is what's known as the way of the cross. It shows us the way that we have to deal with our own trials and sufferings in order to bring about transformation. We have those issues in our lives, those trials and sufferings. And the temptation is always to blame someone else for it, whatever it is, economically, health-wise, anything. His death came about on that level. And I think, you know, another thing, I think we have to assume he did die. There's always that question. I think we have to assume that he did die. The idea that somehow he came down alive from the cross seems to me to be a trick too far and totally not in keeping with the rest of his life. Why would he do all that stuff during his life and then just pull a trick at the end of it? It just doesn't seem to work. If you're talking about ultimate truth, why would you want to end your message with the deception? It doesn't seem to follow with the rest of the story. So Jesus dies in extremis of love. His death was a part of a loving act that was intended to bring about a fundamental transformation in the consciousness of the world. That's what it was about, to bring about a transformation in the consciousness of the world. And without doubt, he did that. You only have to look at the effect he had on human history to see the truth of the cataclysmic nature and effect of that moment. I mean, first of all, you know, we we sometimes call history BC and, uh, and, and AD before Christ and Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. You know, we, we talk about history in those terms, or more politically correct, before the common era and after the common era. And whatever one you use, you're still talking about measuring a particular moment, the moment of the death of Jesus. So we, in truth, acknowledge that something cataclysmic did happen. The point is what happened at that moment. Resurrection is the Latin, the actual Latin word is resurge, which means to rise again to appear again. And it's this that we're looking at today. Jesus rising again. Jesus appearing again. And there's no doubt that he did rise again. The gospel reading suggests it. But if that's not good enough, you only have to look at human history. For good or for ill, something was transcended on that day. And whatever human beings have made of it, it has made a huge impact on world history. What I think remains from that is the potentiality for love. What rose again was the love that Jesus exhibited and demonstrated on the cross. He said that you will do even greater things than these. And I think it meant it. I think he did mean that. He meant that we would do that. And I think it just hasn't happened yet. That lovely old joke by Mao when he was asked what he thought of the French Revolution. Mao said, it's too early to tell. And it's the same with this, really. You know, we always think, you know, you will do greater things than these. And you think, well, they they didn't. But, But actually, it may not have happened. The potentiality for others to rise from the dead, you know, it's still there. Maybe it happens at whatever the second coming is, that transformation, whatever that is. 
But we all still have it within us, I think, to rise again in the same way that Jesus did. And the love that he brought forth at that moment is still in the world today. Look at the schools and the hospitals. Look at the foundation. I mean, I know there's all the awfulness, the Spanish Inquisition and burnings and all that, you know, persecution. You know, that's all there. But, you know, it's going to happen with anything. But there's also a lot of, you know, civilizing stuff that happened. It was there that love to transform the disciples and give them similar paths to Jesus. And it's latent, I think, that love in us today. We just have to realize it. We just have to realize it. So, and this is really just my view. I don't believe that there, as Gregor said, I don't believe there is a full and final truth that anyone can assert in relationship to the resurrection. You've got to make your own mind up. We all have to make up our own minds. We have to let the impacts of these events touch us and tell us something about ourselves. For me, I believe in the resurrection. I believe that love does have the power to completely transform all things. And that includes what we see as death. Jesus was an enlightened master who was able to bring about such a transformation. Not that we might worship him as God, that we might see such a power of love within ourselves. That's what I think the purpose is. Not that we should go on worshipping him like God, but that we should see the power that he had within ourselves. And in doing so, we allow the love that's within us to transcend death and affect the nature of the consciousness of humanity everywhere. And that's our role, to see the potential, to see the possible horizons. That's what he's showing us, and that is what the resurrection is about. Let's just pray, shall we? Though we pray for our troubled world at the moment. So much done in the name of religion, so much evil as well. We pray for the people of Belgium, all those suffering from awful acts, people of France, Africa, Asia, all over the world anger, frustration. We ask that your peace and love come into the hearts of leaders, that this world may be transformed. There may be some resurrection from the, from the crucifixion that we experience happening in the world. We pray for our country, for the elections coming up. Pray for all those involved here in leadership. I ask you to bless them with hearts of love. And we pray for our community. We pray for all those visiting the valley at the moment, all those on the mountain, ski patrol, all those involved. Pray for safety. Finally, we pray for ourselves. We pray that you give us hearts that are open to love, a vision that's willing to see possibility and the humility to act on it. Lord, we ask you to bless us and all we stand for. In Jesus' name, amen.